0: Mom, what would you say to my friends? I'd say we called your mom.
1: This is it. Officially season two into the Zoom years.
0: Okay, so I synced the beats to...
1: Your ipad iPad, so you're not linked to it with a cord where do i go first though in order to do that settings bluetooth like it looks like that little uh it looks like um, a treble clef okay and this is part one of our tutorial on how to (laughs) connect bluetooth (laughs) to your ipad Hmm. if you're over 60 and you have beats by dre sent to you directly by dr dre did you get the note from dr dre no. He I said, Dear Diane, you're my favorite podcaster. These Beats by Dre are for you.
0: Did he really? No, no. I no. love you, though. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you did that. You know who really liked them was your brother-in-law, John. Really? He goes, You have beats." Ooh. <laughs> maybe said, uh, yeah. maybe we know what to get him for Christmas then. <laughs> yeah. The maybe we could make it a joint gift.
1: <laughs> that sounds right? like a good idea. It, okay. So anyway. um, you got your new glasses. Did you, um, did they say, what they say your face shape was? I said almond. And that was not
0: one of the options. <laughs> Almond's not on the list. It's round, <laughs> heart-shaped, oblong, square. Bone, bone-shaped, bone-headed. <laughs> so what hey, did you, do you say you were? Do you remember Carrie Trimborn from high school? yeah. Her mom, Debbie, was the one that fitted me today. Oh, she always seems so young and vibrant. Who? Carrie? Carrie was? No, her mom. Oh, her mom. Yeah, she was lovely. Yeah. Um, I assume she's aged like the rest of us, but like the rest when, of us, she looked really great. And she was asking about you. And Carrie was uh, always a really kind person. I thought. Oh, yeah, she's a nice gal. And we played each really other nice. in field hockey. And you played each. That's what uh, Debbie remembered. And uh. Yeah, so that was I nice. was I was potentially
1: more aggressive. <laughs> you think? I'm <laughs> the field. I'm a beast. You were the beast. You, a lady on the street, ever... and a beast in the field. That doesn't rhyme.
0: But you never clubbed her or pushed her down or anything. No, I was never knowledge. a trash
1: talker. No, I never would do that, and I would never all... purposely hurt or hit someone. It was all within the realm of the game. I play. I agree. I played the ball, not humans. Yes, I agree. Um, but yeah, they spray painted "Number Ten Sucks" on the field. Remember when I was yeah, the captain of I remember that. Let's launch an investigation. Who do you think it was? Definitely not Carrie. Oh no,
0: not Carrie. Um, it was probably, probably one of the boyfriends of one of the players. How much you want to make yeah. a bet? Really? I think it was the girls. They were the Fairmont team was I don't really remember all of the girls. I just was always in conflict because some of those girls I'd had, you know, as a teacher in junior high and stuff. But of course you were always and your sisters number one on my list. But you know, I wanted mm-hmm. always to be good games, really challenging good games. And they always were. Right. I then love they that. took it, then they involved some spray paint in our field. Yeah, that's not good. Hey, I think they said something about Meg one year, too. So you know what? Take it as a compliment. I think so. I think so. You were to be feared, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I was just in the kitchen um, filling out my ballot. I'm going to be dropping it off at a mailbox. Do you have a voting a, plan? A mailbox or a drop No, off? I'm doing a ballot box. I'm doing a ballot box and not one of the ones that has a piece of paper taped to it that the GOP did.
0: Yeah. I'm doing
1: the fully wrapped ballot box. Good. That's where Megan and John went, the, in
0: uh, Montgomery County.
1: Yeah, I, f- I found mine. It's nearest me, near the library. Do you, um, but you know, it's intense to fill out, quite honestly, because I don't want to get it oh,
0: wrong. That's how I felt. I felt like a nervous Nellie. I probably took me a half hour to fill it out, and there's only like five questions. But I had my driver's license. I wanted to make sure it was clear. Everything yeah. was filled out just perfectly. Envelope. Yeah, and they say blue or black pen. Oh, it did say that? Would you use? I used green. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> just kidding. No, I always use blue or black, but the ballot goes inside the envelope, and the envelope goes inside the envelope, right? My, or the ballot goes know. in an envelope. Is this different. I don't know, but I just know I blue or black and I
1: filled it out very carefully. Yeah. Okay. You're so right, then I
0: was, my plan was to drop it off with my neighbor down the street.
1: Um, another Diane,
0: another Diane. But then here's what happened. Remember I told you uh, the day before I had a pneumonia shot and a flu shot, which I was telling Josh, is four times the strength of a normal flu shot. So by right. Wednesday morning, I was flat. I did not feel good at all. Yeah. So I didn't make. Oh, that was something else. That. Oh, well, we were going to go that day. I also mm-hmm. missed my Apple tutorial that morning. Yeah, we can On tell all, my, my new, you're new not devices beats by Dre. We can tell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was it going to be? We got to get a, a, an Apple man in a hazmat suit into the house. No, 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 I think I'm in great shape. I have just a couple little things to I believe tweak. in you. I think you can figure it out. So you had to ch- adjust your voting plan then? Because I'm I did. doing ballot drop box and you're doing... Well, this is what happened. What did you do? So on
0: Wednesday, I got myself dressed and went downstairs and waited for the mailman to come. And when Ernie came, he's the greatest, I opened up the door. I handed it to him. I said, Ernie, this is my absentee ballot. Guard it with your life. and he said he would and then I checked on it you can check online to see if it was received and mine was so Ernie did his best
1: okay perfect yeah Yeah, I would say this is the first year that I think you and I have probably gotten more involved in our local um, elections like we always vote for um Obviously, president, and we vote for local as well. I mean, we always have, but this is the first year we've actually gotten active. in me and Megan, my well, oldest you and, sister, you and Megan, really got it going. We led a fundraiser for Desiree Timms. She's the mm-hmm. candidate for U.S. House of Representatives, Ohio's tenth district. That's right. That's right. She's about so, your age. Are you sure? Yeah, I yeah. looked it up. Well,
0: one site said she was thirty-two. One said she was thirty-five. That's interesting
1: or 34. Let me look I'll google it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> but,
0: but she's, she's trying like, to oust
1: I, she's trying to oust Mike Turner. Yeah, Basically, she made so a long. lot of great points and uh, she's a very powerful speaker. Like I was I think everyone left feeling energized. Oh my gosh, yes. Wanting a better home for and women. a better city. We want oh, Dayton to gosh. be the best it can be. Especially after the, um, unfortunately the, the shootings downtown and she's for gun control. And, uh, anyway, we're really, um, behind Desiree Timms in Ohio's 10th district. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Really a great advocate. Yeah. And activist. and So we hope everybody has their, hopefully everybody has their voting plan and, um, we've got ours. And it's straight up not Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: golly, golly. I'm starting to feel encouraged, though, with the number of people that have already voted.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. hell to the naw on Trump for me. It's what? Hell to the gnaw. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, we know our next guest will not, will, will, will be voting and definitely has a voting plan as well. Um, before we get into the episode, Mom, we've got a bit of a disclaimer, right? Yeah, we do. A little bit with um, sound quality. Yeah, little this was one of, of our early issue. Zooms. We just want to warn you guys that, unfortunately, there was some dropping out. But hopefully you can bear with us. And we had a really great conversation with my friend Noah Galvin's mom, Abby. So take a listen. I'm, a new, I'm in L.A., um, so this is the earliest I've been up in months. And... <laughs> And mom, where are you?
0: You. Are I'm in, in. Yeah, I'm in uh, Dayton, Ohio, Abby, and it's noon. So you know, I've I'll, been up. It, and you're coming from LA, um, New York.
2: I'm in New York City.
0: New yeah. York City. So you've have been you, up. Have you always? Um, are you born and raised
2: New Yorker? No, I was born in Chicago. I came to New York to go to college uh, at Barnard, and I never left. And I have a twin sister, and she came with me. So we've been here since we've been like 18 years old.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. So, so you both, both went, went to Barnard. Smart women. That's amazing. What did you end up studying? Anthropology. Wow. Oh my gosh. Anthropology. So then
2: you what just did your basically sister? Study? What did your
0: sister study?
2: She studied um, uh,
1: literature. Literature, okay, cool. anthropology. Was that like, the, what was Newark like the, back then compared to now? Like, you remember being 18, coming there from Chicago? Were you a city kid or a suburb kid in Chicago?
2: Well, we lived in Evanston, which is a little city right next to Chicago. But I always felt I mean I'm totally urban.
1: Yeah, so you, uh, <laughs> the, the adjustment wasn't no, wasn't was difficult. Cr- you were ready. You just always knew New York then. So you must have had a fascination with it. Was it watching things when you were young?
2: Our mom and um and she was really sophisticated and um she you know we went to the theater all the time and the ballet and we you know everything there, she was a culture vulture. And my twin sister now is a a clothing designer. But for a long time, I had a business together. We were um, filmmakers for a long time. Wow. Wow. We we made our first film, actually, um, when we were at Barnard. Um, Margaret Mead was actually, I was one of her last students. Oh, my gosh. Margaret Mead, yes. My professor. And she said to me, leave academia, because I was really academic. That's what I wanted to do. She said, oh, no, 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 no leave academia, as a matter of fact, why don't you drop out of school right now, <laughs> go find um, a, a, a culture, and go live with them, make a film about it, and then come back and see me in a year, and I did. So what did you choose? It was 1970, 1970, I don't remember, but the um, Vietnamese refugees were coming over as boat people. Okay. I um, uh, dropped out of school and I moved into a tenement in New Jersey. I don't know how I found it. And there were like five families. They lived on each floor of this tenement building. And like the top ones were the rich ones. And then it went from there. It was a real caste system. And they were like a little community and treated each other as though they were still in Vietnam. I literally sat with a camera in the basement. Wait till they talk to me. That's really how I made my film. I didn't know what I was doing from there. My sister and I started a film company and we worked beautifully together. It was so fun. And then we started having children and we'd be like, the work got more and more. You know, my sister wanted it to be all commercial and I wanted to keep making documentaries. And we made great documentaries. Mm-hmm. And then we got more successful, unfortunately. As- <laughs> everybody was men. We were the only women's on the set, you know, and then it was like, um, there would be like 60 men on the set and we would, we would start to have babies and we would look at each other and say, this is so stupid. Like, you know, we have, we would yeah. have like clients and they would sit and they'd say like, you know, could you move that plant over? Or we think that this person has a big mouth or could you get someone who's a little more blonde? I mean, it was like the work got so dumb that once mm-hmm. we, Pine Salt Commercial, we turned to each other and we'd say, let's get the fuck out of here yeah (laughs) 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 it was so beneath you i mean that is ridiculous and my sister didn't want to run around with the camera right you know in harlem anymore but you know that was that was that was more fun for me and then she married um the uh chairman of the board of pratt institute who's pratt i mean that's his last name Right? oh and i got to meet sam Sammy is one of, right, her children.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Basically, so the listeners know, you know, Abby has three amazing, talented children. We're specifically talking about your youngest offspring, Noah, this episode, because I'm closest with him, even though I've had the pleasure of meeting your other children. And Noah, I guess Noah and I have spent time together. Yeah. In most, I guess mostly LA, New York, Austin, Vegas. Basically, anything that's brought us together or him, me to him or him to me, has been us supporting each other because I'm a stand-up comic. As you know what he does, he's an actor, Broadway star. For the listeners who might not know, he was the star of Dear Evan Hansen. He took over for Ben Platt, which was huge shoes to fill. I got to see Ben do it and Noah do it, and they both brought their own beautiful performances to the role. They did. Um, I I don't want to get too off track because I could talk about Noah forever, but I will just say that one of today, one of the best things I've ever seen on Broadway was him and Waitress as Ogie. My mind was blown. (laughs) He stole the show. I mean, I don't mean to discredit the other very talented people, but I was like, that's my friend. And then he came in, yeah, we spent, we just had some adventures all over town. He, he was at my half hour Netflix taping for my special. And then he brought Sam and a couple of our other friends, Molly Gordon. They came to see me at Gotham Comedy Club in New York. And what struck me is because Carol is your twin and one of your best friends, Sam looks like he could be a sibling. The cousins look like siblings because you guys have such, you know, your, your genes.
2: Yeah. So Carol's two children and my three children are very, very close Mm -hmm. and uh, and they fight like siblings and they support each other like
1: siblings Mm -hmm. it's crazy like what what are you guys eating them yeah (laughs) what are you you feed them actually you've all (laughs) you've birthed like truly incredibly talented people into this world
2: they're all very special at what they do it's so great
1: unique and they're all kind of doing their own thing Mm -hmm. which is incredible yeah and as a guest, like, for you and Carol, did you live close together? And, like, I have twin questions. Like, I yeah. bet you guys are really <laughs> close. Like, do, can you, you know, everybody jokes like you can feel each other's pain. It's We're really close. We live
2: right now 10 blocks away from each other. Oh, that's wow. Awesome. And I teach, Um, I I'm, I own a yoga studio. So right now I'm all on Zoom, and she demonstrates for me. And I go up close to the monitor. So we're all, you know. So you have your film in each days. other's lives. Oh, yeah, that's true. Kind of. We want to make another film together. That's our new thing. We're going to try to figure that out.
0: Yeah, that would I be think, amazing. I think that's remarkable. You're so close to your sister, You're twins, and then your children are close. But I said to Beth, I don't think I've ever known twins and, and then seeing their children. I mean, I've seen twins, but never to see how, you know, their children, because even with Your cousins, there are some similarities because of the moms, but I can't even imagine what that would be like.
2: Yeah, it's been great. We, it is our, you know, this is our gift. We don't consider them like our extended family. They are our family. We have vacations together. We do holidays together. We Mm -hmm. see each other on the daily. Our Sammy, one of her children live with my daughter right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And so it's been, um, you know, and like Noah was her uh, maid of honor. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> i love that, I love that. <laughs> i'm trying to think about who would have been closest with noah i guess coming up like because what were the earliest things like he expressed to you because obviously you're a director then you start having kids so they're kind of born into in some ways like entertainment i, I suppose we could call it all so, the arts all of them yeah, yeah
2: like when my daughter went to college she went to carnegie mellon to the um uh to the conservatory you know, I, I think that um, they're all—they were all just sort of oriented that way. Also, I was also married to a guy who was um, very artistic.
0: Okay, mm. all those influences. Yeah, they all absorbed.
2: Yeah, and he yeah. was a psychoanalyst. But um, and they all have that as well. My sister and I went to psychoanalytic school. I married a psychoanalyst, and they also kind of see—they're all sort of like that, you know, because they're all grew, oh, they all grew—they all grew up kind of, blah, 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 you know, talking together. And I have to say that it didn't do much. It was really where they were going to go, even if I didn't introduce
0: them to like an acting class or a dance class, which is where we all started. That's what I wonder. Dance class, vocal lessons, theater, all those things growing up.
2: They're all. Yeah, they're all that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Noah
2: and um, his cousin Julian are the same age and Sammy and my older son are the same age. There's also another sister that we have and there's her son uh, works with one of my, uh, one of Carol's sons.
0: Mm.
2: How so wonderful is that? Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It's the best thing in my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, um, cause there wasn't it, how did he sneak, Noah, his earliest role, was it Les Mis and he snuck off to audition? Is that what it was? <laughs> his earliest role was in our community
2: theater. He was Oliver? But actually, before that, I do have to say, no, it was Charlotte's Web. And he forgot his lines. And I was sitting there with my sister's husband. And we were, like, squeezing each other's. Because there was this, it got so long. The audience started to, like, look around, like, ooh, whose kid was this? And I knew it was my kid. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I knew it was Noah. I knew it. I was... So mortified. <laughs> <laughs> and did it come to him? Did he finally remember? Or he made it up. I do not remember. And Noah's been doing a lot of that all his life. Like he was the penultimate, like such a professional. Like he was once in this. Um, we were in Cincinnati, and he was in this show called Ace, and he was the lead, and he was like eleven, and he had this voice. Oh ch- oh so he was a little chunky kid back then, and I, I'll never forget it. My parents were sitting in the front row, my parents were not like state, like they were not involved grandparents. okay, They were into each other. And um, my father had this beautiful voice and he was a, um, I think we all got our voices. We all sing, we all got our voices from him. Oh, wow. He would have been an opera singer, except that he had to be a Jewish doctor because he was an, an immigrant. So he's sitting in the front row and he's listening to Noah sing. And it was, Noah sang this beautiful song. And then at the end of the song, this very beginning of the play, this bed is supposed to come across moving across the stage. And then Noah is supposed to climb into the bed. And he was, yeah, no, maybe he was 10 and the bed didn't come in. And I'm watching Noah up there. Like he finished the song and he's like, <laughs> where's my bed. <laughs> so what Noah does, he gets down onto the floor, lays down, he goes like this and he goes to bed. And I thought, Oh my God, that is my kid.
0: <laughs>
2: he my it. I've always thought of my daughter too. When she's on stage, She's a pro. She's going to make it happen. It's going to be good. And Sammy, too, when he's on
0: stage, it's good. Yeah, but to have the wherewithal, to just go on with it, just go yeah. on and Skinner. play the part.
1: Yeah. 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 The wow. Charlotte's Web was a for, must have been a formative experience. He was like, I'm never going to let that happen again.
2: <laughs> um, my daughter, Emma, when her first recital came and she was going to dance and she was a beautiful dancer and she forgot what she was doing. She ran away he <laughs> just ran off the stage
0: yeah i thought oh my god never gonna be a performer okay well and that's fine you know
1: oh my gosh oh i was gonna gosh. say too like um some of <laughs> noah's friends that i so i worked i'm trying to remember he didn't come visit us but i got to work with molly gordon because i was the on-set writer for good boys the movie oh yeah and so um worked with her all summer, which was just a blast. And it was fun because Noah prepared us. He was like, you know, that's one of my best friends, my best friend Molly. And so I'm so excited for you to spend time together. And and we grew close. And um, and I was going to say, like, how did they end up meeting? What was their story? Was it a camp or school um, together? It wasn't camp. It was some show they were in. Because they have, he has, you know, again, I guess maybe it was growing up in New York or him going to a performing art school, but his core group of friends is also so talented, you know?
2: Because, you know, he really meets people from how he works. He makes friends, mm-hmm. with you know, like Martha, whatever her name is, who played his mother on that TV show.
1: Martha Plimpton. Rock. Yes. And that's how, so I, that's actually how I met Noah was, yes. My friend, Mary in Bowden played his aunt on the show. Yeah. Oh, oh and so, great friends. Yes. Yeah. And so Mary Hollis is the one who introduced me to Noah. I came to visit Set when they were shooting the pilot. And it was one of my earliest times on set because really I'd just been a stand up comic for years. I, and I started in Chicago. But Chicago was a great place to start stand up because, you know, like I, I guess the way to describe it or people describe it is kind of like under the radar. So you can build who you are and figure out your act and s- as best you can before shooting off to one of the coasts to where you should some be a fairly finished product to, you know, to sort of present yourself in that way, I think. So, Diane,
0: are you um, a performer as well? Well, it's funny. Beth was telling me when she was trying to uh, arrange our, um, you know, our podcast, she said, well, Abby teaches yoga and she has a class and she's doing it on Zoom. And um, well, I have to tell you, I did all kinds of research on your yoga. Yeah. I go to I go to yoga okay. like I've been going about almost four years. Oh but when I was reading about your katona, is that how you say it? Katona yoga? Katona yoga. Oh my gosh. It the the Taoist principles, the the geometry, the Chinese medicine. But what really intrigued me was you are right that I go to my class, and I haven't gone in three months because of the uh, quarantine, but when you go what what I thought you were saying in this article you wrote is that you do go and you memorize the poses and you kind of go through the motions, but yours is not like that it's like it it takes you away from that, so it's not just what first nature but it's second nature in the way that you set up the class. And so I was telling Beth this and she goes, oh, mom, that sounds amazing. I said, I wish I lived in New York so I could attend one of your classes because when you're talking about organs and bones and how they work together, I'm 69 years old, I have osteoporosis. So do I, everybody does. You know, everybody's gonna get osteoporosis. That's just when the bone
2: is thinner, thinning faster than it's building okay you have bones that are thinning and you want to really be able to keep your strength yeah the way to strengthen a bone is to flush a bone bones are like wind tunnels and you have to flush them otherwise you get crap in them and then people say i have arthritis they don't have arthritis they have crap in their joints
0: mm, okay
2: that's what most of us have we have think of your body as a house and you've got nine rooms you've got three floors you've got ten doors and all of that has to be cleaned out. And if you don't clean it out, well, then you get garbage that collects. And any garbage mm-hmm. has to be pushed out. Like when, you have to get, like when you have a cold, you have to push out a memory.
0: Right. So when you go through your, your classes, the, 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 I was watching some where someone was like horizontal on a chair. And there were people around them helping them with the pose, but how do you flush out the bones? I mean, is it through your, through the yoga, through the practice? Yes.
2: It's really, yes. it's the technique of doing the practice. Most practices are done with the teacher giving you cues. Yoga is a dialogue between the mind, the body, and the breath. And basically it is like, so you don't lose your mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. And you live in this house and you want to have a good narrative. You want to have a good life. Great. Right. So like oh my, this hurts. Oh my, that hurts. It's like no, your life hurts because mm-hmm. you know this is your frame of reference. Your lungs, your organs, emote. Your lungs are your grief, your sadness, your courage, and your fragility, and your bones, and your essential energy. Your heart is your
0: uh, tongue, your articulation. So yeah. you live yeah. in your house. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I needed to hear that. This is one thing that stuck out to me when in your article, it was talking about the different, like your knee fits into your armpit. (laughs) I picked that up in a lunge. This is how you
2: calm down your nervous system. You make yourself think of yourself as a piece of origami paper. Yes, that was it. Yes. The paper has no function except you can write on it. You can put your cup on it, but it's, Mm -hmm. Once you start folding paper, you are making dimension. And that's what you do in a yoga practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yoga is like origami for the body. Mm-hmm. You and know? the patterns, you were talking about patterns and nature. and Yeah, so, you, you are just part of nature. So your ears, yeah. size and shape is your kidneys. Mm-hmm. This
2: is the bottom of your pelvis. This is the, you know, you've got three floors. They all match. So when I read bodies... I look at someone's heel of their foot and I see the heel of their ass. You know, I see the heel of their skull. Your back is the mineralization of your age. So this is your back and the top of your foot is your back. And here's your back and here's your back. Mm-hmm. Anything in the middle is a kidney. Anything at the top is a lung. Anything in the bottom is reproductive. So it's a template oh. that we use. Wow. Come to my Zoom classes. Every single one of my five kids can um, teach this class. They all grew up doing yoga with me.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing that you like shared the practice with them. Cause that's something I feel like becomes part of you.
2: And Julian um, brings me his, um, Julian's a, a, he's basically has a punk rock band. He's very popular. Yeah. Noah was mentioning him. Julian, and I work together with um, his uh, fans all the time. He brings somebody else or his musician friends and we give them privates. Noah, also, he can do the, he teaches this practice. Sammy demonstrates for me. Uh, Emma and Carol and I do classes together. I mean, we they all, and Adrian used to be one of my teachers. They're all
1: trained. That's incredible.
0: One fourth thing, Abby, I was really drawn by this. When you're talking about your different poses and um, it, these two quotes popped out of me when it says, how do you get out of your own way? And how do you get over yourself? So right. when I read those lines, I thought, oh, this is much, much more than poses and memorizations. And it's like, like you were saying before about your body being a house with the different levels and the different rooms. Well, think of it. Thing- you have first nature, your
2: DNA, the gifts that you were born with, what you're good at. Like people say, Oh, I know what Beth is going to say. Oh, I know her favorite food. Oh, that's her first nature, right? Mm-hmm. Also, your unconscious, it is your habits. And then you have a second nature. Your left is your first nature. It's where your heart is, it's where home is, it's where your safety is. On the right, because this is the way time goes, is your second nature. Second mm-hmm. nature is skills, techniques, Things that you learn, how to be appropriate, good manners. Mm -hmm. Think of this as your dawn on your left. Your dust is on your right. Experience is on your right. Things that you have to be, how you access consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's your third, that's your second nature. The third nature is your soul. It's like we're always making a braid and you are a braid. And the fourth nature is your humanity. So it's not what you came with and it's not what you learned. It's how you're using it. It's what you do with your life. And that's Mm -hmm. yoga is just like, oh, this is what I'm good at. Oh, learn how to do this. I like this pose. I don't like that pose. Well, the things you don't like are probably things you're just not good at. How do you become a human being with this yoga is? It is not how do I do, you know, how do I stretch myself? Or how am I, or am I flexible? I can't do it. It doesn't matter. It is not about flexibility. It's not about stiff. Most people are not tight or
0: loose. They are folded wrong. Then, your practice really just drives you forward. It, it drives your life. I can, I can tell. That's right. And that's what the world needs. The world needs this so badly right now. And that's
2: Taoism, because it's not devotional. People, we don't have to pretend we're Indian for an hour and a half to do stupid yoga. It's like, it's not about that. It is really um, uh, about the integration. Uh, how well are you integrated? Do you have stability, which is the lower body? Do you have capacity? competency which is the upper body and you have imagination Mm -hmm. and no and we're all born with one of those really good and one of those are really our challenge
1: and um when you're teaching basically on zoom has it felt like i I imagine obviously there's there's going to it's going to feel different because you're not in person has it really does it totally change the practice or have you been able to sort of adapt to being everything's more digital right now because of the pandemic
2: yeah I do a lot of hands-on, adjustments are a big deal in our practice, but I have learned to teach differently. And it's been so great because we have this community and we all unmute ourselves and talk about what's going on or we spotlight somebody and then we all talk about why they're, what they're going through. You know, it's just really great. Also I I read bodies and I have a lot of um, workshops. So the pandemic has been great because I travel all over the world and I've got people who can tune in from Europe from LA from like mm-hmm. where so i do these workshops instead of with 20 people in the room i have 70 people in the room so it has been for me this has been my most favorite thing so that's amazing that's right that's great because you hear. have
1: you've traveled i know you know you've you've been literally all over the world and taking workshops and is it, is it taking workshops and teaching cuz you've been in like like the list is endless dublin london taipei zurich she is the workshop, I think.
2: <laughs> I didn't get here overnight. You know, I'm 65. I had a lot mm-hmm. of careers before this that took me to this one that used everything. Because mm-hmm. you don't just become a this. You add it to who you are. It's part of your narrative. And so when I found yoga, it was the marriage of, of filmmaking, of, of academia, of writing, of, you know, just of being a mother, of teaching a Hebrew school. And, and so-
1: healing. Would you call it healing or no?
2: I don't refer to myself. I refer to myself as an educator. Okay. What I do is um, I'm a great observer. So when I read bodies, I can read your issues, but it's not because I'm a seer. It's because I really have technique. Mm-hmm. I become a really good swimmer. Do you know what I mean? And after you become a really good swimmer, you can teach people how to swim.
1: Yeah. Like yeah.
2: It's just like by in time and everything is in time.
1: I will say, too, like having you as a parent, too, and then, you know, I think I can definitely see it in your children. Even with Noah, he's so, you know, I'm.
2: He's so articulate. You know, he really sees people's family dynamics. Um, He really can. People uh, confide in him. He really has a humanitarian's overview.
1: I mean, I don't mean I guess it sounds ageist, but he does seem wise beyond his years. You know, I think he has friends of all different ages. Friends of all different ages. Yeah. Um,
0: Oh, I know what I was saying, Abby. When you asked me earlier if I'm a performer, I teach. I was I retired three years ago from teaching um, elementary and middle school music. (laughs) So I retired, but I teach privately now. But again, with the quarantine, I have right now just four students out of. Well, I had 10 that I teach, you know, on the on FaceTime. But I, it's such a different experience to try to teach these little ones when you just want to, you just want what, to, what could take one second to correct, like someone's playing the wrong finger on a chord, you could just sort of try that, it ends up taking so long, and that I find frustrating, yeah. or just to be able to interact with these children who are just, I love them so much, but I've had a little challenge with it, so I, I'm trying to embrace it because I think we're going to be teaching this way a little longer. I really do. Oh yeah,
2: I mean, I know you, New York. I'm not going to open my studio. I I'm just trying to adapt. Like I bought a huge, like a 65 inch monitor. Uh, that's
0: really helpful. Yeah, I'm glad it's going so beautifully for you, though. I mean, that's this that's is terrific. I love quarantine. This has been great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> honestly i have too i, I you feel, have you've said that many times yeah i felt like you know i i know that um i think i've been hesitant to say it because i <laughs> i'm so work driven i guess like i feel like i always should be doing something but the fact that the world said, like, no, everybody needs to stop. I mean, especially with stand-up, there's, like, always this pressure to create more material, to get on stage, to get out, to go up. And yeah. I recorded my first hour special on March 7th in Minneapolis. And then oh. the following weekend, like, the world pretty much shut down. And so my my special comes out next month on HBO Max. Oh. And it's almost, like, such a strange... Wow like time capsule because we were, you know, it's like before pandemic and after pandemic, but I was ready for the break. I I worked for three years to build that hour. Show me your hands.
2: Show me your hands. Yeah. The backs. Yeah. So, you know, in a funny way, you, um, uh, you're a worker, but you know, you have a lot of, um, uh, yin energy. Do you know what I mean? Like this quarantine should be good for you. it it helps you chill a little bit and be reflective and go in and find your depths, you know, and that's really a piece of you that, you know, when you're working all the time, you don't get to uh, investigate.
1: Yeah. I was like a much needed break. And then I, I will say too, like, I think I'm like happy to be inside and I have projects that I'm working on writing. And so those I'm working on, but I'm curious how you feel like this because like, I guess it's part of, all of your children's lives, which is like social media, you know, and what that does to us, because I think in some ways I see other comics or creators like putting out, you know, what we would call pandemic material or something. And for me, I just really didn't want to do that. I-, I just wasn't up for putting myself out there during this time. And I have a weird, ex- I have a weird relationship with social media already. Like mm-hmm. I think my stand-up is very vulnerable. And so I allow that there and I've, I feel like I've been harshly judged at times on the Internet, so it's hard for me to want to put it there as opposed to in a live show. Um, I don't know. It's odd. I, 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 think, I think Noah, too, is also a really vulnerable person, and he's also not afraid to sort of, like, s- speak out, which I have as well. So I think it's like it creates a very strange dynamic with basically anyone being able to contact you in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it's really tough if you have a thin skin. I think it's really, you know, because social media has the capacity to be so powerful and such mm-hmm. an advocate for things that are worth having. You know, it's like, you know, social media, it's, it's um, not by its nature, it's by its use, you know, has sort of been co-opted by a lot of aggression because people mm-hmm. be anonymous. But on the other hand, you know, it's so counterintuitive because it's so not anonymous Right. So like, right. <laughs> that's right. You know, I think that's been hard for Noah, actually, when he was young and started out and, blah, you know, and wanted to be articulate and participate, you know, and tripped over himself a little bit. And um, I think that uh, you really have to learn how to have good boundaries. And I think that's mm-hmm. true of anything in life. And social media is just one of those things. You know, social media isn't by its, its own it's, corru- it's, it's either uh, corrupted, co-opted, created by all of us. So the more rich humanity and, um, that we can appropriate to use it with, the better it's going to be. And the more polluted and toxic, it can be that. But it's one of those things that is so amorphous that you can make it, you know, it can take on lots of forms. And I think that it does. So, you know, I don't, I I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, amazing way that has moved our culture. You know, unfortunately there is always going to be a strength and a weakness, you know, just like everybody's strength is also their weakness.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But again, anything that's personal is really only partial. It is only, um, you know, like if we're having an argument, it's what you say, it's what I say. If it's my personal point of view, it's only partially the reality. It is partial mm-hmm. of the whole narrative. The problem with social media is that it gets so polarized. It doesn't have to be.
1: No, and I think too the I, the lesson learned too over time, at least for me, is like not being a sieve or well, basically. Actually, I should not not necessarily a sieve. Sometimes I feel like the the positivity that comes, I do feel like a sieve. Instead of absorbing it and holding onto it, it's just like boom, and what I'm collecting is actually these chunks of negativity. But mm-hmm. I think it's like worth it for me. Like you're saying, you don't have to absorb it. You have to be able to say like, okay, well that's your opinion. If someone snaps something at you, say, well, I I don't have to accept that if I, if I want or not.
2: Things like that are about having
0: the right boundaries. I think the boundaries are really important. I love what Abby said about vulnerability. That's maybe your, one of your gifts, but it also can be something that just wounds you. Um, when you don't have those boundaries when you're not able to like you just said Beth with a sieve to hang on to the good and then disregard not if it's not any doesn't serve purpose for you to disregard it let it go right and we it, were kind of talking about that actually
2: none of it is it's just the problem with with social media is that it's polarizing but it really doesn't have to be and i think that and it's not even that you want to push away the bad it's just that if you have good boundaries you know who you are if you have good boundaries you're you don't have swiss cheese yeah you know you're not swiss cheese you you know you um take what you hear take it in it's like feelings have your feelings but don't listen to your feelings you know it's like you know you don't live with your lunar side you don't live with uh, the first thing comes into your mind you consider it right you wouldn't You wouldn't um, make dinner by just throwing shit in a bowl. You might use
1: a recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Now, come on, Abby. That's how I usually approach a meal, right? (laughs) That's because because mom's meal is cereal. So she's just like. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I know what you're saying, but yeah.
2: Boundaries are like having a good recipe, you know, having a good technique. You know, you don't, um, you, you, um, you, you want to swim across the English Channel because someone you love is on the other side, but it is technique that's going to take you there, mm-hmm. right? It's not your feelings. You have your feelings, but then you want to consider them. Otherwise, you are always subject to another person, another reality, somebody, uh, you know, some other, you know, it's giving it away to somebody, you know, or giving it away to a, an advisor, giving it away to a teacher, giving it away to a, a, a principal or, you know, giving it away to one idea, you know, you don't give yourself away, you develop yourself so that you have a well integrated soul so that you know how to feed your soul and, you know, uh, uh, you know, up your game with your spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, we too. Need, we, like, you need, we needed to hear that today, Beth. We need, I that. know we Ultimately, did. Ultimately. Cause like, I think too, I'm <laughs> just like, did something happen? I think just the media or the pressure to, you know, say to yourself, oh, I can do that. You know, um, I'm up for that challenge. But are you really? I mean, what is it going to do to you personally? If you I think you have to consider that what it does to you personally, if you're if you have second thoughts about doing something, then I think you need to listen to yourself. And like you said, with like Abby was saying, with the boundaries and.
1: Well, it it made me think too, where I was just like, you know, about opening myself, like when you're ready to open yourself up to another person, for example, like a lover or a partner, mm-hmm. because like, you know, I am now, it's not like I, like I have, I have years if I wanted to like make children, but as I age, it always has those things in my head. Like I personally, I don't, I've thought about, of course, having kids, my sisters have kids. I feel like the path that I've chosen as an artist And what I'm doing now, I just like, how can you know? I I don't know. I think I'm going off on a tangent in a little bit, but I guess like, you know, you both being moms and obviously in a different time, it's like, I don't know what was going to happen with me and a partner and children. And if I'm open for that, because I feel like I'm currently developing myself as a person like you're mentioning Mm -hmm. and wanting to be, um, you know, the okay on my own, the best version of myself, like you know, I've, I've met someone recently where I'm like, Oh, I might really like them. And I start to like build my future in my head. And it's like, is that why is it a, is it a female thing that we do that? I, I don't know what it is. Like it's hormonal. I mean, Beth, it's not like,
2: yeah, it is hormonal that you are always going to think about it. Even if you don't feel like you want to be a mother now, there is, it is what it's in your hormones that you're gonna think about that. It's like it's in my hormones that I don't give a shit what people think anymore. You know, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yes, me too. I love it because it's part of your biology to be able to be a vessel for a baby. I mean, just think of all of your portals: your eyes, your nostrils, your mouth. They're all shaped the same way, and you know how they're shaped. They're shaped like a vesica Pisces. They're shaped like a portal. And what that portal is, it's the opening of your
0: vagina. (laughs) Interesting.
2: Yeah. You know, so when, when, for example, when the Chinese talk about, um, uh, uh, they talk about fertility, it's really not just fertility, it's creativity. So your whole biology about having babies, for example, should also be in mind, in the back of your mind, it should also be able to translate into your creativity because that's the ultimate way that we are brought on this earth to be creative. All of our whole body is shaped, is configured, is hormonally uh, developed to be a vessel, to be a mother. And so why wouldn't you? It's part of our nature. It's part of nature. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really part of your dilemma. And if it's not part of your narrative, there would be real pathology. Because it's supposed to be part of your narrative and you're right on schedule that you're supposed to be thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Some people think about this and then have children. Some people think about this and then go do some great art project. It's like it is, you know, and you will have the same, a lot of the same um, uh, progressive emotional experiences doing that, that other young women will have having baby. So, you know, like it doesn't matter. Children grow up and they belong to the world. They don't belong to you anyway. You know what I mean? Like, that's why it's mm-hmm. siblings because they go through life with you. They, are, they share all the experiences. Children grow up and leave you and disappoint you and say, fuck you, and mm-hmm. go up there they don't listen to you, take your advice. And, like, I'm trying to give my kids
0: great advice. They should take my advice.
1: <laughs> I'm taking it right now.
0: It's great. Advice. I love hearing this. <laughs> you, we needed to talk to you, Abby. To, oh, we needed to talk to you today. I hear from you.
1: I think, too, I'm just like, even, you know, so, like I mentioned with the special, that's something, that's an hour of stand-up comedy. I've been doing comedy now for, what, 13 years, and the morning after that I filmed it, I woke up, and I just sobbed, and I think that's now been, what, March, April, May, June, July, is that four months or something? Mm Mm-hmm, about four months. And now now that it's pending, it comes out August 20th, I'm feeling things again, because it's about to be shown. Like what I did is about to be shown. And so I'm like, you know, I don't want to say like, it's my baby, because I think you can have multiple, you know, births of these things. But it is interesting to feel the vulnerability that's coming on of me about to show myself.
2: Yeah, it's your first time.
1: Yeah. And also too, like, I, you know, I mentioned Noah always coming to support me, but I when it comes to artistry and friends that are artists, him and Molly coming to see me and championing me and supporting me. And we, I think we can both do that for each other, but I genuinely value his opinion. So when he builds me up, and I think the, the last version of this he saw was in July at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Wow. It's like, and I know he wanted to be at the filming, but him and Molly, I think were doing something, but it's like, you know, I think that I don't I don't know if I take it too much to heart, but it's like it does mean a lot to me to hear from my friends what they think of my art, you know, for them to be like, no, keep going. Like, this is important. And I loved this part of it. I feel like I feel like I really absorb the opinions of my friends and take them to heart.
2: Yeah, well, especially you know, you want to hear from people that you really trust, you know, who are trying to do the same thing that you're up to. I also think that, you know, people need other people that, you because when you only listen to yourself, you also have only your own neurology. That's why you shouldn't do yoga in the mirror because you're only seeing you, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're just pulling it out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and after a while you need more perspective because we are not in the middle of that line. We are, we live in the middle of a sphere, not in the middle of a line. So it is not enough to just listen to ourselves Right. But we're in a, a world by relationships because it's relational. I think that's great. And it's to your credit that you have uh, friends that really support and respect you.
1: Very much. I feel very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I feel lucky to be friends with your son. <laughs> I just, you did good. Right. <laughs> you did. You did uh, very I was, good. I was telling Beth that
0: when, the real O'Neill's came on. I was curious because I had met Mary Hollis and, and she and Beth are such good friends and, and I love, love her. So I tuned in, but I remember saying to Beth, Oh, that Kenny. I, I've never seen an actor on a TV show like Kenny. I love him. And so I watched and watched the whole, like two seasons, I think. And I was so sad. When who was it ABC or whoever it was decided you know decided to go in another direction and I thought oh that's just what we need though we need that we need that yeah. I, he, he had so much fun doing it oh my gosh and we had so much fun watching him and the thoughts and the kind of uh, character that he was portraying and 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 brought but uh, I thought it was a wonderful show I was really sad when it they. Probably picked up another police drama or (laughs) medical show. And, you know, I loved that. But that was my first introduction to Noah. Noah. And what a talented, what a talented
1: guy. Especially across multiple mediums. I think that's the other thing. To me, like, I do other things, I suppose, like writing or performing, things like that. But really, it's just one of the events in this greater you know like sitcom acting is just one of the things that he can do but it's odd because it is so controlled and there's so many limitations on it so it can be disappointing it can be a letdown it can feel commercial in so many ways and then again also very beneficial to many of the people that watched it absolutely oh gosh yeah
2: I think that um um his disappointments during that, I think, really made him grow up. I think it was a big learning curve emotionally because mm-hmm. I think the people he really counted on um, uh, in a funny way, especially at the end, did not come through. Like he, I, I think, not that he lost his innocence because he was a wise kid, but he was truly disappointed in their humanity. I think he's had the experience a lot, actually, in show business where mm-hmm the quote grown-ups were um acted infantile.
1: Mm-hmm. It can be a real letdown.
2: Uh grown-ups in his life um first life, you know, uh were not infantile. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, I think that, that in show business I think it's sort of one of the things that he has um that he has seen that um he has to watch who he counts on, he has to really look at people to know if he trusts them and are they decisions for the right
1: reasons? Mm -hmm. I think too, like I can relate to him in that, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of three. He's the youngest. We are by nature in a lot of ways, little entertainers for our family. And I think when you enter this business, which is going to commodify you in some way, even though I don't like to look at it like that, you know, I don't see myself as some sort of product. However, I think when you have, at least for me, this kid sister role, when you're put into these high profile situations, you expect, like you're saying, to have the people above you, your older sisters, your siblings, you count on them to sort of be in charge in a way. So what you learn, at least that I've found, is sometimes those people are not are not in charge, or don't have your best, they aren't your big sister, you know, at all. And so I think mm-hmm. what t- what it takes then, at least for me, is t- to no longer be like, well, I'm just kid sister and I entertain and I'm ha- here to have fun. It's like, oh, I might need to be in charge. And how do I yeah. step into that role, that more of a power position, instead of being kid sister and playing more of a, I guess, parent- parental role over myself and, take, you know.
2: I would like to see him take charge, He loves to be in a show with everybody else, Mm -hmm. but eventually Noah is going to have to step up and um, I'm trying to encourage him to write something now, you know, he, and he's a beautiful writer and he's so um, psychologically adept and um, he really does have an overview and he's so perceptive about human nature. I I really want to see him um, really develop those pieces of himself that he has as part of his first nature.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll be there for him with that, too. Like I'll mention it to him. Just I can be a sounding board, but like I'm older and I've had to do that more recently where Mm -hmm. like like I'm saying, I'm in charge. Like I have to step into that leadership role instead because, you know, I I'm working. I'm writing my own show right now that I sold and to even get to that position to think like I can do that because I was just working for writing for other people, writing for people I idolized you know, writing for television. And then it was stepping into the role to pitch my own show and say, I can actually do this on my own. You know, mm-hmm. I can run things. So it takes work and he's younger than me and he has time, but, but then what's that mean? Why does he have to, why does he have time? Why can't he just grab it now? And I think in my head, I thought, well, I have to pay my dues and I have to learn and I have to do this. It's like, you can also take it now right? and make it happen. So I think that's Mm -hmm. something I learned and, you
2: know, this pandemic has really allowed everybody to, instead of like, "Ah, you know, to go in, everybody has become more, more reflective. All the doing that we did, the pandemic has made people more into uh, beers and not just doers. And I think for a lot of us Mm -hmm. who do, 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 I think this has been really um, interesting, Beth, that um, part of what, uh, Uh, Part of what a really good life is going to give you is a reflective life. Pandemic, I think, has been a real boon to that. I think Mm -hmm. an opportunity to really look in. I honor it. That's why I think it's been so great.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, honestly, Abby. For I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I just want to say, like, thanks for taking the time to share and and talk with us. What a joy.
2: And and I really want to say anything for Noah. I so believe in him. He is... um, he I mean, I really say this. I don't say this. It's like, oh, he makes me laugh. I mean, he makes me laugh like <laughs> he lightens my load. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Life has levity when he's around. And I, I, like, I could cry how much I, I just <laughs> I believe in him. I respect him. I just, you know, the more Noah, the better.
0: I agree. I agree with that. The more, Noah, the better. <laughs>
1: it's a good, that's a perfect place to end. <laughs> yeah. Thank Abby, you for
0: your time. Carry on with your yoga. I'm so interested. I yeah, we'll get like mom, we'll, we'll try to pursue. figure it out. Oh, mom, yes. I can help
1: you too, and then okay, we can do a class at home because she has it. She has her mat at home, at least, and you have plenty of space. Got my mat, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just feel like.
1: Mm, what a wonderful way to spend the last hour. I think it's going to be very different than the the class that I took with my mom, where I think the main, (laughs) the main position was just like, it felt like rock.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So he's great at this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Right. Thank you.
1: You stay well. Carry on. Thank you so much, Abby. Have a good day. Bye. That was our episode with Abby Galvin. If you wanna just, if you're interested in learning more about her work, go to thestudio.yoga www.thestudio.yoga and Katona um, Yoga.
0: Katona Yoga.
1: Yes, but that her Katana website yoga. is thestudio.yoga. Oh, that's so right. check that out if you wanna know more and uh, what she's up to. And then if you want to see what what Noah is up to, his handle on Instagram is Noah E Galvin. And uh, he's always got some great posts, and um, check him out and follow. And uh, we love you, and bye. Love talking to Abby.